is supported by you and the following underwriters. What the Soap, WTS and Company in Prattsville for soaps and lotions made on site, locally handcrafted candles, pottery, jewelry, art and gifts, and a hand-picked selection of books on homesteading, nature, and local history. WTS and Company in the Prattsville Plaza and online at whatthesoap.com. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center on State Route 10 in Walton for disposal and recycling. Open 7.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center information about materials and disposal fees at 607-832-5800 or see the Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center link at WIOXradio.org. Peekamoose Restaurant on State Route 28 in Big Indian for farm-to-table cuisine, seasonal specialty cocktails, and local craft beers. Peekamoose, dining room, tap room, lounge, and outdoor deck. Open Thursday through Monday at 5 p.m. Dinner reservations recommended 845-254-6500. 845-254-6500. Peekamoose.com. Hi. I'm Mark Beerman, host of Mark Beerman Sports here on WIOX Roxbury. I'm also a former nationally ranked tennis player and the current women and men's head tennis coach at SUNY Delhi. As director of tennis at Tennis Everyone for 15 years, I've been teaching kids, adults, and seniors from beginners to tournament-level players. Tennis Everyone, a supporter of WIOX, offers individual and group programs to players of all skill levels, as well as weekly women's, men's, and doubles clinics, and also partners players for off-site play. Information about Lessons with Tennis Everyone at 845-254-4400 or mark at tenniseveryone.com.
You're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable TV, Channel 20 on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, worldwide at WIOXradio.org, and on any mobile device FM radio app. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Going good, Ryan. How are you? All right. It's been a while. I haven't been on the radio with you in a little while. Yeah, I haven't been on with Gary Mead in a while. I know. When was the last time all of us were together? This is a monumental tonight. A <laughs> monumental. <laughs> yeah. This is a good event. Yeah. Everybody's been going different Don't think directions. we're missing is Hop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we had him here. The place would fall right down. Yeah, Anyhow. Hoppy quick. <laughs> uh, every third Wednesday, we have uh, Mr. Mead, Mr. Gary Mead, come on and talk about a different force, um, usually a different tree species. Tonight, we're talking about kiln-drying lumber. But how's it going, Gary? It's going good. Yep, I'm uh, I'm working on a piece in the gallery right now with cherry, walnut, and curly maple. And it actually is a tree that come down Irene in 2011. It's curved cherry is the main event on this one. But anyway, I sawed it. I, I got the logs in 2012. I sawed them, and about a month, five weeks ago, I pulled them out and I said you know what I'm getting off the tables I'm going to start doing bed frame so this is a queen size bed frame nice and uh, it's coming out spectacular but uh, the reason I want to go with kiln drying is I've I've never done as much custom kiln drying as I've done in the past two years since I closed the mill and I'm glad to keep the kiln running and I mean, there's no money in it, but, you know, it, it keeps the kiln. You, you, when you stop using stuff, it, it deteriorates. And, you know, until I, you know, I'm able to sell the place and, you know, I need it now. But And I do dry some stuff for myself, too. But uh, I'm trying to help people understand that every tree has... 30% low grade, I don't care if it's a veneer log, <clears throat> you're going to have some degrade. And then you have the trees that are, they grew under stress. They're, they're just, uh, and no matter how you try to dry them, they're going to twist and they're going to come out a little bit funky. So I dry a lot of wood for a guy in Long Island, <clears throat> and he's a, uh, you know, he's actually pays my electric bill for the most part. But, you know, he sends a lot of stuff to me. And what he does is he sends, uh, he, he saws it all uh, 12 to 16 quarter because he understands the process. And you can take a, a, a well, 12 quarter is 3 inches, 16 quarter is 4 inches. So you take something that thick. And if you want to end up with a two-and-a-half-inch thick, clean piece on both sides, you better have it sawed 16-quarter because it's going to go through the kiln and take a little warp. But not all lumber does that, but, you know, these lawn trees and stuff that you guys are cutting, it, you know, they're, they're dead when you cut them, uh, whatever. But, you know... Uh, uh, David Weinrab, I think his name was, brought me some stuff, and and you know he was 
it was a cherry tree. And, you know, I, my heart bleeds for the guy because he spent a lot of time, got this thing out in Connecticut and took months to bring it to me. And, you know, it was, it was just not a good grade of cherry. And, you know, he saw it at eight quarter, 10 quarter, and, you know, he got maybe six quarter out of it when it was finished, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's full of curl and I mean, curly cherry is one of the, uh, uh, premier letdown woods because it, <laughs> it does, it, it, what, that curl, <laughs> it folds. Curly maple doesn't do that. Yeah. But curly cherry is, is, a you know, 1992, I bought Selecting Better Cherry from Mallory Lumber for $250 a thousand, maybe might have been 300 kiln dried eight and ten quarter. Because when they, well, those guys, they're big, huge, huge, thousand dollar capacity kilns and they sold it to me for I made these headboards for dollies with an they're they're called the notched one, but I didn't well it came it twisted in the kiln because you can't dry curly cherry with straight grain cherry actually curly cherry if you put it out for three years and air dry it and then kiln dry it i, I that would probably be the best uh, uh process but you have to understand the integrity of wood and, and how, about how, you know, uh, uh, and I didn't know any of this stuff until I experienced it. So, you know, I know you guys that are out there that are bringing me stuff and, you know, your heart's soaring like an eagle when it's freshly sawn. It's, it smells awesome and it's wonderful. And But going through the kiln, that goes through some changes. And I don't dry anything fast because uh, I... It it doesn't stuff doesn't like to be hurried up, you know. Back when I was running low grade for dollies, I'd crank the heat right up on that kiln, and and you know I tried to do something that would take three weeks and two weeks. It didn't matter because they uh, come out of the kiln, and you know we take these long boards, we cut them, and it's a fast, you know, it's a production process. But these homeowners that are coming in and you know, every little piece is, is uh, like special to them. And, uh, you know, and I get that. And I really want, uh, but you got to realize the heartwood comes in it. I mean, John goes out and he saws these things and they come through and, you know, people bring them to my place. And, you know, I actually have them help me sticker it so they understand the stickering process. Because, you know, I know a lot of these old mills. They, uh, stickering ain't that important. Well, <laughs> I, for me, it's like putting a crappy foundation under your house because stickering is important. It's, you know, I, when I first started my kiln drying, my stickers are all 13, 16 inches thick, every single one. And when you go to most lumber yards, they take edgings and they're anywhere from an inch and an eighth, an inch and a quarter you know, three-quarter or whatever, and they put them in, and, and and the lumber's wavy. Well, when you put, you know, lumber, wavy lumber in the kiln, it's going to dry wavy. Because just, just a little background, Gary. When you say um, 
John's cutting. You thought you were referring to John McNaught here. Yeah. From Catskill Forest Association, who does portable sawmilling for CFA. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just so people know. Right. Yeah. That's right. John, you do air We've drying. We do. We do. CFA <laughs> does. Catskill Forest hit? Association does air drying. Yeah. We we once in a while when we leave site that that wood's stacked and stickered unless they're going to take it to Gary right away. Right. Um, which some of them do. Some of them take it to Gary to, to kiln dry. But maybe you could back up real quick, Gary, and just tell people, you know, what it is that is special about kiln drying that, you know, maybe well, they're, they're advertised to. The kiln drying, the kiln drying is a, it's a process that collapses the cells of the wood. Uh, when you don't kiln dry a piece of wood, I'm not saying that it doesn't work for furniture. It will work for furniture, but uh, the kiln drying process, air dried lumber has live cells. Okay, what a live cell is, is it's a cell that is, it's live, just like what the word is. So when we put it through the kiln, the velocity of the, the, uh, the wind in the kiln, because I have this, it's called a fault ceiling, and there's four, five horsepower uh, uh, motors that run these 36-inch diameter fans. There's four of them up in the ceiling, and it sh they shut off every three hours for three minutes and reverse rotation every three hours around the clock. So that pressure of that high velocity of wind and the heat collapses the cells. So now. Uh, an air-dried piece of lumber, if it gets wet, the moisture will go right back into the cell and swell it up. And then you have to go through the whole process of, you know, pulling that out again without making it warp and crack. Hmm. A kiln-dried piece, <clears throat> you can throw it out in the rain and bring it back inside and it will dry and it's 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 it, it the fibers now are the only thing they're getting wet the cell isn't affected because it's collapsed it's like a closed sponge it's a closed sponge yeah whereas a live cell so a live cell up. is is just you know when it gets wet again it, it reactivates that's why we so, cover firewood which is way more crude than what you're doing <laughs> crude but yeah well, right. I had a call for somebody who wanted to throw firewood in my kiln, and, you know, I said, I don't know. I mean, with the price of kerosene, maybe it would pay, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like cut a year ahead and, and uh, whatever. But, but, you know, if we did a call, my kiln holds uh, three tractor trail loads of 25,000 board foot capacity, and... I won't turn it on until I have twelve to 15,000 board feet because that's my break-even point. And, you know, I'm not a uh, – and there is nobody else that has kilns that will do custom kiln drying because of the problems it creates and, and the misunderstanding that people have about kiln drying. I mean, you can't go to Whiteman's, you can't go to, to uh, any of these other places and drop wood off and have it kiln dry because, you know, they're, they're afraid to touch it because they don't know enough about it. They have a schedule. Every, every tree species has a schedule. The, it depends on every thickness, every... Uh, and it, uh, what do you and, mean and by it's schedule? Really quite schedule? complicated. Can you, what? Can you define schedule? What, what, is it, what do you mean when you say a schedule? A schedule is... 
Okay, so if I'm going to be drying butternut, I go to my schedule. Uh, first thing I do is I check the moisture content. <clears throat> and, okay, the moisture is up around 78 to 90%, and that's really wet. So I go to my chart and go to butternut, and it says, you know, when you turn the kiln on, it has to be, you know, 110 degrees on the high side, which is the dry bulb. And then you set the wet bulb for probably 105 or 104 so that the compressor, when the wet bulb gets up to 105, the compressor comes on and it gets above 105. And then when it gets back down to 105, the compressor shuts off. And then the velocity and the heat bring more moisture out into the air and then you know as a as the the schedule goes on we call a depression and the depression is like 105 to 110 is a five degree depression we're looking to end this whole process at a 50 degree depression and you don't dry wood from the inside out, you don't dry it from the outside in. You acclimate the kiln chamber to so that if you put stuff in there that's 30% moisture and you put stuff in there that's 80% moisture. And what you want to do is we acclimate it before the compressor even, you even think about letting that come on. You have to equalize. So the stuff that's 80% and the stuff that's 30 or 40% will take moisture from, because the heat makes it sweat. So now your chamber is, is a sweat box. And what it does is the stuff that's drier will absorb a little of that moisture. And then the stuff that's wetter will, you know, and once we get a, a, an equal flow across the, the, the board, then that's when we start, you know, the, and that's why uh, the control panel in the kiln adjusts all that for you. And that's why you set your wet bulb and your dry bulb for a certain temperature. So first you're getting them all on the same page? You try to get them all on the same page. Their moisture and... Now, and if I take uh, mixed species, which I get a, a lot of these days, and... Uh, you know, for instance, you know, John brought me some walnut green and some white oak. And, you know, he's making a bed frame out of the white oak. So that's in cold storage for probably a year, the white oak. Because that's, I, I can't even begin to dry that in my kiln with the schedules I have. But the walnut, I just got maybe 10,000 board for the walnut from you know down in long island so you know i threw john's in there and i run the kiln for at a low temperature for about two to three weeks a month and then i shut it off for a week and what that does is the kiln chamber lets everything kind of catch up and you know, stuff that's wetter this and that and you know all, you know all the walnut two days ago was uh up around uh uh 26 to 35 40 percent seems so, pretty complicated gary it's not easy <laughs> <laughs> like people and, talk about solar kilns how and, how close can they get to making well, can they get can kilns, they do it right but doing a solar kiln then 
Well, you can if you have the right gauges, because I have vents on my kiln that when the temperature gets too warm in there, they automatically open up. And but if on your solar kiln, if if you're just gonna you know throw this sweat box out there with with no vents on it, it's like putting a greenhouse up with no ventilation. I mean, your plants are gonna fry, your wood's gonna fry, everything's gonna fry. You have to control the environment in there, and it's it's uh, it's extremely important, and it's it's not easy. And when when I'm working with mixed species, especially you know uh, you know. Like with David, I was so heartbroken when I, when his stuff come out of the kiln. I was you know flat piling it to, and called him up and but you know it's it just it's no fault of his. It's no fault of mine. It's just that's what nature provided. Yeah. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. Nature's I mean, that humbling. That tree grew under stress somewhere. Yeah, it was probably uh, under stress of its neighboring trees for decades. Being and a then, cherry you know, tree. The, it, then you got the, the people that are sawing it, <clears throat> which is another whole, you know, I have a whole story about that because I dried probably 18 to 20,000 board foot 20 years ago for the ghouls up in, in uh, uh, Dry Brook because they were building all these houses and they wanted to use trees in their property. And it's wonderful and, and poetic and all that. But what had happened is whoever the person that sawed the wood for them didn't know what the hell they were doing and they they just basically live sawed it and when you when you're sawing for flooring in grade you got to turn that log around because you know uh, it it you got i've sawed i mean i've sawed so much that i've seen things that people never in their lifetime going to see but you know, I I took a, a white oak log one time, and it was a low grade. It come in as low grade, and I sawed the slab off, and it was burl. The whole twelve foot length of this thing was burl. I go really, and so my little heart's going bit 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 bit. So I cut a five quarter board out of this thing. Oh, well, hold on. Well, just describe what a burl is to people who don't don't know. Well, when you go out and you see cankers on trees, they're usually uh, around. Well, when you go through Arkville, there's a huge burl on that sycamore by the end. You've been eyeing that sycamore for decades. That burl. If that thing ever disappears, <laughs> it's you. All right, well, you're a thief. You need and it like was a 48 inch chainsaw to get that off there. But anyway, that's a premier burl. But you know, cherry trees, all these trees, they get burls on them. There's maple burls, and and what they are is they're a series of knots. It's a retarded part of the tree basically because it don't know what to do so it just keeps making all these knots but it's the most stable wood in the world because it there's so many integrated grains that it can't move everything is so um misinformed that yeah. it doesn't dare to move and right. it can't move because there's a there's a it, it it's so complicated it becomes neutral yeah, the only way I can explain it. Uh, it's yeah, basically. it's like a branch union extended. It's like when you listen. I'm yeah. ignorant about sawing wood when it comes to you, but like when you put a chainsaw through that part of the burl or even a branch union, It'll it's really dense. Right down. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like hard. Nature's plywood. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so you said you saw a log length burl. Well, I, I sawed one edge, and I wished 
I saved the slab now because the whole 12 foot length of this thing was a burl. And um, first I looked at it, I thought it was bird's eye. Well, bird's eye and burl are pretty much the same, but the burl is uh, at least 10, 20, maybe 30 times more little eyes in it than, than bird's eye. Bird's eye, you know, it, 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 whatever. But, you know, a burl is, is different. It's integrated a whole different. So, you know, and I'm all excited, and I flipped the log, and I sawed the slab off the next side, and it was crystal clear piece of lumber. And I said, oh, flipped it again, and taken the, off the, the other, you know. The, I did all other three sides, and that was the end of the burl. I mean, there was no more in it. But I never saw a burl. I've always saw them when they're on a round on a tree, but I've never seen a burl that was a 12-foot-long burl that didn't uh, it, it didn't sh it didn't look like it in the log, because mm. burls are basically they protrude out from you know the main part of the log, and this was just part of the. No, I, I, I'll never see it again, but I saved it. And I have it in a gallery, and I just show it to people because it, it's amazing. But I have one piece, so yeah. Where's that, what, Gary? What you do with you one got, piece? Where's this one piece? You make on knobs. <laughs> you make knobs. You make you know drawer poles, and you make stuff like that out mm -hmm. of it because you can't make a tabletop, and and so you, you use it for trim. I mean, you can slice it and 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 trim stuff with it. It's absolutely amazing wood to work with. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough as nails, but that, well, it's a white oak, and it's actually white oak. And uh, that was probably the only white oak burl I've, I've seen, but it's, uh, and it come out. Uh, but, you know, back to the, the drying lumber is, uh, I, I've had so many I, I put the kiln in 1991, and I have dried millions and millions, literally, of board foot of lumber through that thing. And I know how to crank it up. I know I, I don't. I can walk in the kiln through the back door and not even be by the the uh, the, the control, because you know there's a control room on the left of the kiln, and the back side, I mean these aluminum doors, uh, the openings, uh, what. 22 24 feet by you know, 18 feet high and there's two aluminum doors you open up but there's a little entrance door there i can walk in the kiln and i can tell exactly what the lumber's feeling just by the humidity in the air mm. when you fill that thing up with 25,000 board foot of green lumber and you know when i was doing the dimension mill and all that and using it for for dollies you know we didn't it didn't matter if it if the oak you know honeycombed a little bit and that's a whole another whole thing with oak i mean it it just it ruined uh, uh mills that didn't properly dry that and uh, but anyway i can just walk in there and feel it so the oak is probably the oak and beech the the hardest thing that i ever tried to dry and i still haven't got it is uh, applewood but i i've only done a few i feel like apple like you're talking about burls i could be wrong on apple this, but is apple is kind of like yeah burl <laughs> it's yeah. just a big burl exactly piece of burl. <laughs> it's the weirdest 
tree. I, it is such know, a gnarly wooded But it's tree. so beautiful. It's oh, got yeah. that orange and red and white. and oh, It's God. unique like no other. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is kiln-drying lumber with Gary Mead. the heavy how do you like me now this is from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m talk about a different forest related topic 
with Ryan and John. Tonight's topic is Killing Drying Lumber with Gary Mees. So, Gary, you want to finish your story? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was doing that 15,000-board-foot uh, uh, order for the Goulds, and uh, I dried it for them. When I was stickering, I was looking at it and saying, I don't know why they even sent this, but, you know, I get paid per board foot to dry, and, you know, I'm not a grader. I'm, you know, that, that's what I I'll dry it, and that's what I do. Uh, you know, uh, so I dried it and sent it back, and Kingdom Gould called me up, and he's kind of upset. He said, uh, you know, lumber, this, blah, blah, all looking stuff. And I said, well, you sent me junk, and I sent you back dried junk. I said, you can't take junk, put it in the kiln, and have it come out selecting better. I just, um, you know, you're paying me by the board foot. I said, whoever you got sawing up there, <clears throat> put somebody else on the saw because they sawed it all wrong. And, you know, all the heart wood was in it. And, you know, uh, well, that's back to what I was talking about before, spinning the log. And you look for the grade. Some logs have uh, only one good side on them. So you get as much of that out of them as you can, and then the less, you know, the rest will go into a, a low-grade product. And uh, there are a lot of mills. Well, I know one mill, Whiteman Lumber in Portlandville, <clears throat> they saw, but they saw for grade. But they don't, uh, they sticker everything right off the saw, and they dry everything. They dry the low-grade and, and all together. And, uh, you know, they, they set their kiln schedule for the high grade of course which makes the low grade happier in the drying process because it isn't you know, like cooked like a potato chip real quick and uh you know and but that's basically and my whole career i have used low grade lumber and that's why i'm so in love with it because it's so beautiful and and it's it's got character to it and you know all the knots and the defects and you know, uh, I mean, curly when when they're sawn uh, gets kicked off to the side. For years it has. I think now they're sorting it and and and, and kind of keeping it. But it all all the curly, all the stuff that wasn't straight and perfect looking, it, it all got kicked into pallet lumber. Mm. And uh, but you know, curly has a little bit more respect than it ever did have. But it, it wasn't. You know, the common, you know, when you put a floor down and you get a couple curly maple boards in there, it just looks different. And, uh, but, I mean, that's why they kicked it out. Because the high-volume guys, I'm not a high-volume guy. I uh, I take my time and, and, you know, I'm not about making a fortune. I, I, I never made a fortune. I don't plan I am ever going to. But... I've made a comfortable life for myself, and that's all that matters. And uh, but you know, I care more about the environment than I do about money. And uh, I think uh, a lot of a lot of folks got to start realizing that what's more important. And uh, I got to throw this out there: <laughs> there's no such thing as free money, folks. I mean, all you people have been grabbing that free money for the past few years. It's it's just like pigs don't fly and money ain't free. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So anyhow, 
kiln drying is it's a very it's it's a scientific thing, and you know with these mixed species, because <clears throat> I get all these custom orders now, and what I do is I check them before they go in. There's two different kinds of meters. There's a surface meter, which you can read uh, up to a four-quarter board with comfortably. Six-quarter, eight-quarter, ten-quarter, twelve-quarter, sixteen-quarter. I have what they're called pin meters. And, you know, uh, a few years ago, I cut out a post and beam house for a guy, and, you know, you know, these are, you know, 8 by 12s and, you know, uh, 8 by 14 and 6 by uh, 8s and all these huge timbers. So I actually bought, I have a pin meter, but it you can put different pins on them. And, I, you know, I bought, I, I went and invested in some pins that are 4 inches long so you can get to the center of a 8-inch wide piece. Because when you read a, you can surface meter something that's eight quarter and it'll eight to ten or twelve percent on the surface. But you go to the center of that thing, it might be twenty five percent or twenty percent or fifteen or sixteen percent. Uh, you know, it, it's the center is hard. You know, it's always a little bit. So, you know, I have the pin meters for the the, the thicker stuff, so I can get into the center of uh, uh, of that piece of wood and, and see what it's doing on the center because the outside is always a little bit drier and when I finish a kiln charge and I go around I test and everything's uh, seems to be you know dry enough I shut the kiln off and I let it sit idle for uh, three days to a week where everything will get I call it happy. I don't know how else to explain it. But, you know, if you take stuff out of the kiln and some of it's, it just all acclimates and it becomes, because some of it, when I'm checking it to take it out, some of it's at 4%, some of it might be 10%. And, you know, some might actually be 12%, but if I'm reading 4% to 12% and I leave it in there for, uh, uh, you know, uh, five to seven days just sitting there with the no wind on it nothing just sitting there and it, it acclimates the stuff that's 12 percent is absorbed by the four percent and and then when you take it out of the kiln i mean it's kiln dried but you know i have cold storage and i don't have a uh, whiteman lumber is uh, probably has one of the best kiln dried storage uh compartments that I mean, to date, if, I mean, for flooring and all that stuff, they they have a, a, a building that they keep at 30% humidity, and that's where they store their kiln-dried lumber. So when you if you come to me and you want uh, wood and it's getting machined into flooring, it needs to acclimate in your house for a while because, you know, if we have a real dry summer, it doesn't affect it. But if we have a – because I have – I have uh, open cold storage, I call it, and there's uh, I don't have dehumidifiers and only in my gallery, but you know the uh, so the wood will absorb whatever the is happening in the in the atmosphere. So if we have a real wet summer, I mean that real wet summer we had 
uh, when the the apples dropped, we we had no sun that year hardly, and it was cloudy and rainy all summer. And you know, I was testing kiln dried stuff in my shed, and it was up around 22, 24 percent. And but you know it absorbs the moisture in the air. It, it's uh, uh, it's just the way it is. So you know when you you get stuff from me, you have to acclimate it for three weeks in your house before you you actually put it down for flooring. You know, if you're using it for paneling or ceiling, it, it doesn't matter that much. But, you know, I check the stuff, and I, I let people know that before they take it off premises because, you know, I don't want anybody to be unhappy <laughs> about anything. It's not my goal. And you have to understand what is alive. It, it, it's it, it's it's the one thing on the planet that you can well you think you kill it but it, what trees get another life and you know when they end up in ash that's you know they become fertilizer basically at that point uh, but they their 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 life on the planet is is so environmentally sound that you know I, I wish everything could be like it you know, I would like to, you know, die and get another life and be made into something that would last, you know, hundred or thousand years if it's made right. And you know, it's. Uh, but wood is always moving. It expands and it contracts, and and uh, you have to allow for that when you're when you're actually working with it and and building with it. And when you put a floor down, if it's too dry when you put it down in the middle of the summer it's going to buckle because it expands and it's going to have a hump in it because it's going to absorb moisture and when they make flooring you know a lot of people might wonder why all those little grooves are on the bottom of the floor well some ingenious person thought of that i don't know how many years ago but it's extremely important because you have a three-quarter inch board that it's three quarter of an inch uh if you have let's say a five inch wide board and those grooves are on the bottom and they're about three quarters of an inch apart and there's an eighth of an inch cut higher in the bottom of that flooring that allows for expansion and contraction and moisture and uh but you put it down flat you don't have that so, uh, but I have a few ways that, you know, when I make flooring, I, well, I don't tongue and groove it. But, you know, uh, if where the seams come together, if the underside, you take a router and you take a, a good round on the bottom so that when you put those, that flooring down, you have a, uh, it kind of looks like a, uh, a smiley face on the bottom when you put these two boards together. But that's an airspace for expansion and contraction in that wood. And what it does is instead of having, you know, if you have a, a three-quarter inch, now you have maybe a, a quarter of an inch of that uh, bottom is taken up. So now you have a half-inch top on that. So, and less wood, less movement. And that's the key. And, you know, I made a piece, uh, 
Hop helped me with that. But it's called From the Forest, and all these carved animals are, you know, green. And, you know, Hop carved them green, and, you know, I kill them, dried them, and painted them. But to keep them from checking and splitting, I hollowed them all out. And that's the key, less wood, less movement. And, you know, people like these discs, the biscuits or whatever they're called. Cookies. Cookies. <laughs> they don't work. <clears throat> and they're weak. I mean, you got all this end grain that's just sitting there. And I'm not, it, I, I have to take that back. It does work. But you have to keep them in a, uh, it, you don't want to cut them too thick. You know, I had people come in with four-inch thick pieces, and, you know, back to David again, I said, well, cut the, cut a six-inch circle out of the center of that. You got to get the heartwood out of the center, that, because when the wood shrinks, the heartwood, the, the grain pattern in the heartwood is, is so much tighter that it won't shrink as much as the outside. So when they start shrinking, they have to open up. Because I mean it, it's being restricted. So if you folks that are using cookies and biscuits and you want to make a beautiful little round table out of them, it will work. So saw them green, cut a take a jigsaw and cut a six-inch you know circle out of the center, dry it. Then once it's dry, you're not going to have all that splitting and checking and coming apart on the outside. You can actually take that center and set it on the hole you cut it out of and take a pencil, scribe it, and put that back in later. And, I mean, but that's the only way that they'll work. Hmm. I mean, uh, it's, uh, and dry them slow and wax them. I mean, that anchor seal is amazing. I'm, uh, I mean, you folks that are bringing me custom kiln-dried stuff, Get a little can of anchor seal and throw it on the ends of them because what happens with the ends of your wood, <clears throat> it's, it's the, the cells on the end of your wood shrink a lot faster than anything along the edge or the middle. So when those cells shrink and the middle is still fat, that's why they open up. You have to slow the drying down on the ends of this wood. Uh, I mean, a lot of veneer logs, the first thing they do when they cut them down is they put, they wax the end of them and to keep that from drying out. The, the, you you got to keep your cells all the same kind of moisture content. So you do the same thing with uh, cookies? With cookies, yep. Paint them with anchor seal. Yep. And how thick, though, is about, you, you should be cutting, you said, about two to four inches then? Well, if you want to make a thick table, uh, you know, a nice little table, you want probably four inches. If you make them, you know, an inch and a half, you know, you set, you lean on the thing, it's going to break off. I right. mean, it's, I mean, it's all end grain, and that is the weakest part of the tree. And, but, you know, if you're going to go with a table thing, you need, you know, three and a half to four inches. Then you want to take your center cut. If you're going to use them for table trivets, you know, for weddings and all that, that's mostly what I was cutting them for. And, you know, I told them, just drill an inch and a half hole out of the center and let them dry. I mean, you're going to put a plate on it anyway, and nobody's going to see it. 
And, uh, uh, and but you know, I've had a, a lot of good luck with them. And I said to them after the wedding, if you want to use it for another wedding, put it in a cool, dry place. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh, but you know, some people they they take these biscuits and they throw them out in the sun. Wow. And I mean, that's about a meh. 12, 14-hour life expectancy of that piece of wood, it's just not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that destroys them faster than anything. And you don't, you know, but, you know, people want it dry, and they think that's a good thing. Don't put any green lumber in the sun. It hates the sun. And it, it will check, and it will come apart, and it will twist, and it will become very cranky and mm. unhappy. The only thing I dry is hemlock bark. <laughs> you dry it before you use it? You should dry it before you put it in a chipper. <laughs> yeah. Chipper. Why? Oh, I mean for to make, your... To make tanning, tanning. tanning liquor. Uh-huh. And it's amazing how fast it dries in the sun. <laughs> well, that... Like, you don't like a couple hours. Yeah. Well, the bark is different than, bark. than the wood. Yeah. Well, actually, softwoods, you really don't have to worry about softwoods. They don't have the same... They, they're, they have... I would, you know, don't quote me on this, but they have about a third of the amount. They're mostly fibers than they are cells. The hardwoods are more cells. That's why you, you're not, I mean, I was just up at the property with uh, Willie, and we're looking over the building I'm building, and he goes, you know, because I'm, I'm using all my own lumber. And he turned to me, he goes, well, studs, are they going to be hardwood? <laughs> Because everybody wonders about this moron. But anyway, I go, nope. No, you can't. You just can't use hardwood for studs. And you can use it for posts. You can use it for siding. But studs, they will not work. They twist and warp. And, and, but, you know, when, when, you, when you pin a, uh, an air-dried, or well, I kiln-dry all my hemlock and pine that I'm using in my house anyway, but... I mean, they always used it green, and especially hemlock. You you put a nail in it green, and the wood shrinks, and you know shrinks around the nail, and and actually that's the best way to to use it, green. Really, and, yeah, pretty cool. And you know when the wood shrinks, it it gets tighter. I mean, Windsor chairs use that process. The whole Windsor chair is kiln dried except the seat. They make them out of green wood, and what they put them together back in, oh no, 1820s, 1830s, when they first started making them, the, with a green seat, kiln-dried parts, and when they drill the holes and they put that chair together, when that seat shrinks, they didn't use glue, and those things do not come apart, because what happens is the, 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 the green wood shrinks, but, you know, they don't throw them out in the sun after they put the things in. They, you know, it takes uh, a Windsor chair, when it's properly made, uh, takes a couple of days to make it and then about three to six months to dry it before it gets put into use. And uh, But when that shrinks around, you know, the kiln-dried woods absorbs the moisture and expands a little bit, and the seat dries out and shrinks and... I mean, they were put together without glue. They're just the, one of the most amazing pieces of furniture I ever, you know, experienced. 
And, uh, you know, so with that kind of, there there aren't many applications in, in uh, uh, building that that works for, but so when's your chair and, and putting up building? And, you know, this whole, you know, kiln drying, basically, uh, I kiln dried a lot of stuff uh, to kill the bacteria and, and the bugs because powder post beetles get into something. Does air drying have any advantages? Does air drying have any advantages? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's always good to air dry before you kiln dry. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> but there's no, like, exclusive advantages. Not that I could think of. Hmm. No. But they, they did. Uh, they did cheaper, I guess. What's that? Cheaper, I guess. Well, and it takes a lot longer. I mean, the kiln drying, what, you know, takes two years. It depends on the thickness of the wood again. We're going back to that. But uh, depending on the uh, all that, uh, it would take, uh, if you took a 12-quarter, 3-inch thick piece of of uh, walnut or white oak, you know, you got four to five years air drying that before it's dry enough to build with. Jeez. But... Okay, if I filled my kiln with 12-quarter white oak, it would take six months. And that 24-7 kiln running uh, to to dry that properly before you could use it. But it would take five, four to five, maybe six years, depending on where you have it, too. But folks, do not put wood out in the sun. If you want to do an experiment, it's really take a kiln-dried piece of cherry or actually, you don't have to be kiln dried green. Take a piece of firewood; doesn't matter. But take a piece of cherry and lay a uh, a two inch board over it, and put it out in the sun, and in the morning, and then come back at night and pull that stick away, and that thing will be about five shades darker than where the stick was. Cherry is one of the woods that oxidize with age and oxidation means it discolors it changes color maple turns to an amber uh you know i saw uh this some 40 years ago i i bought i didn't saw it i bought this poplar that was absolutely purple and green and orange and oh my god i'm uh, i i i kiln dried it and it was I used it for my porch roof. I tongue and grooved it, and a year later, it was all the color of amber. And it it just uh, it oxidized and changed color. The only wood that I have never seen change color is uh, butternut. I've had butternut in my bathroom for in and in, in my house for 40 years, and it hasn't changed. It's the same color as the day I put it in there. And, you know, I have a, a window in the bathroom where the sun comes in, and butternut just doesn't change color. It just doesn't. Well, I'm going to read a poem before we yeah, sign we got off. Two minutes. Two minutes? Two-minute warning, Gary. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'm going to read People and Trees. Okay. <clears throat> this one I wrote three, uh, 2015, 3-7. People and trees are much the same, living in harmony for many, many years. Soils of the earth outstanding, for us both life-sustaining. 
Sweet, fresh air in the atmosphere, that with trees we also share. Grand yellow ball high in the sky, sharing together, needing sun to survive. Water in rivers, streams, and the rains, hydrating us both flowing in our veins. People and trees are much the same, living in harmony for many, many years. Both have roots deep, standing firm, traced back thousands of years, realized both in years of age by calculated scientific measurements. Growth ring and fingerprint patterns, they look very much the same, each owning their own identity, no patterns, a perfect match. People and trees are much the same, living in harmony for many, many years. Some may look almost alike, never too exactly the same, like every snowflake or drop of rain, boulder, stone, or grain of sand. We will both get old and die going back to where we started from, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, a very strong force inside both of us. Sometime, while walking by a tree, say to that tree, you are a lot like me, and living for each other every day will secure our bond and harmony. People in trees are much the same, living in harmony for many, many years. So, uh, yeah, respect nature and our trees, folks. They're more important than anything else. And, uh, you know... Everybody just hang in there and uh, try to be happy as you can every day. I mean, time's a little tough right now, but, you know, they'll pass. They always did. They come and go, and, you know, bad decisions always make, uh, you know, bad stuff happen. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be okay and just keep thinking that. And don't lose your love. Your love is the most, and, 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 and just that compassion, and, you know, uh, it doesn't pay to be angry. I don't like feeling angry. I don't like feeling mad, so I just don't feel that anymore. All right, Gary, we're out of time. I'll All see right, you next you Wednesday. And he wondered how it happened that he ended up this way. Getting lost like a fool in the forest. And as he lay there sleeping, a vision did appear upon his mantle, shining the face of one so dear who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year when the wildflowers did bloom. his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games in an old house on a hillside Delia IOX is supported by you and the following underwriters.
O'Connell and Aronowitz, attorneys at law since 1925. For legal representation from the routine to the more complex, committed to the fair treatment of all individuals. Family law will